Welcome back, everybody. Dr. Joe Galati, thanks for tuning into the program today. You're listening to Your Health First, putting faith and health together for a better you on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM Channel 129. And I always do appreciate your taking part of your day to spend it with us and try to enrich yourself both from a religious standpoint and from a health and wellness standpoint. It really is very important linking the two together. And don't forget, of course, if you want more information about me, the program, my practice, we take care of patients with liver disease, go to drjoegalati.com, drjoegalati.com. And if you want to send me an email, something we've done, which I said at the beginning of the program, we have a specific email to reach out to me directly, bypass everything. It is radio at drjoegalati.com, radio at drjoegalati.com. If you have any questions about the program, any health and wellness Info that you are looking for, you need assistance with a relative or you need more specific health, medical, surgical information, we want to be a resource for our listeners. Radio at drjoegalati.com. All right, everybody. As I have been talking about today, a this is truly a treat for me. In the studio today, Frada Giovanni Dodd from St. Michael's Abbey. Orange County, California, which is probably one of the most beautiful sites in the entire United States. Giovanni is here, and I'll let him tell the his own story, but I've known Giovanni since he was in, uh, really, in grade school at St. Lawrence uh, Parish in Sugarland, Texas, where we both live. He is now a seminarian in the Norbertine Religious Order living in a monastery. It is truly an honor, Giovanni, to have you here today. Dr. Joe, thank you. I can't believe that one day, you know, I go back to kindergarten and never imagined that I'd be sitting in your studio. I know, but life is funny, and we, and we know funny. that. So, so Giovanni, um, you know, let me give everybody just a backdrop. So my life in medicine, wellness, education, I always look at people individuals, families, and say, okay, I have something in common with that person, but where can I bring the conversation, the discussion around the health and wellness aspect of our lives? And you and I were at a wedding shower uh, last week. You're visiting in town on, uh, on, on holiday. And while we got past the initial hellos and how are you doing, Within about five minutes, I think, the, the mm-hmm. conversation came to health. And what you have learned at St. Michael's Abbey and your uh, religious formation. But uh, anyway, let, how about if you give your story and you explain to the audience today your formation, how you went from Sugarland, Texas, to St. Michael's Abbey in California? Sure. So I, from the time I was in eighth grade, I had an unbelievable religion teacher who really changed the course of of the rest of my life uh-huh. and that was Gabe Castillo of course I was in Joe's class and we both had the same teacher so that's that's little Joe yes, not not, little doc, Joe. not dr. Joe and although who knows maybe little Joe will be dr. Yes. Joe one day but um, when I had this religion teacher he 
showed me something that I had never seen before, which was a man who really wanted to become a saint. Uh-huh. I had never met anyone who not only wanted to be a saint, but they believed that that was actually possible mm-hmm. for the ordinary person. And that was, I've always had this desire for greatness and to do great things. But I had never, at least to that point, never put that in a religious context. Right. Because I never thought of the priesthood as greatness. I never thought of the religious life as greatness. So he also gave me the greatest gift that anyone's ever given me. He taught me to love the Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. And he taught me to pray the rosary. And that was sort of uh, the beginning of the end, so to speak. Okay. The praying of, of Our Lady's rosary. And so many years pass, and then I go to Jesuit in Houston, and then I go to the University of Texas in Austin. I studied, got degrees in economics and rhetoric, and had started a business my senior year while I was there, and that was a online news publication. We were on Apple News and had an app, and we were fundraising, had about 20 to 25 people working for us. Now, was there anything religious about that at, oh, no. at that point? It was no. strictly a secular it was. business. It, because I was really, I was running away from my vocation, and I knew that. Because I I was terrified that if I was in a deep relationship with our Lord, that I didn't know what he might ask of me. Mm-hmm. So I tr- sort of compartmentalized all these things, and I tried to, to strike a deal, so to speak. And I said, well, I, the desire for greatness never left. But I figured, I'm gonna ma- I want to make everybody happy, okay? Because my family was not on board with my vocation. Sure. They were very against it, which was very hard for me. So I wanted to please everyone, so I thought, okay, God will be happy, my family will be happy, I'll be happy if I just marry a beautiful Catholic woman, have a bunch of beautiful Catholic kids, make a ton of money, and then give a ton of money back to the church. Right. And I thought, okay, that, everybody wins. It's a win, 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 win situation there. But when I was doing that, it was interesting, about a week before I had this, and at that point in my life, in my early 20s, I wasn't practicing the faith at all. I had never left the faith intellectually, but morally, I I just wasn't living Mm -hmm. the Christian life. And it was interesting, about a week before I came back to the sacraments, my dad asked me the question, talking about my news business and everything. He said, son, why are you doing what you're doing? And I thought that was a a really profound question. And I thought about it for a minute, and I I said... I want people to know the truth. And then I started reflecting on that. like So it, the truth in the news. In the news. In, in a sense. Especially right. because there's so much bias and, frankly, BS that's out there in, right. in the news and the media that I wanted to really help people sift through all of that so that they can make an informed decision on their own. And giving them the different sides of the issues and mm-hmm. primary sources and all of that kind of stuff, which you don't see at all anymore in, in journalism. So it was a noble secular cause, and still a good thing. I hope someone picks that project right. up and will start doing that. In fact, we, we launched our website about two months before the term fake news yes. what, what came out. So it was perfect timing, and this was the beginning of the Trump um, era. So there was no shortage of media uh, opportunities. But I started reflecting on that question of my, of my father's that, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? Or what do you want to do? And as I began thinking about, well, I want people to know the truth. As I began coming back to the sacraments, that desire just sort of intensified. Mm-hmm. Sure. 
but it took on an entirely new light and a new focus where instead of worrying about the the news truth and the media truth i was concerned with the capital t truth the one true truth which is our faith our religion the holy roman catholic church which has the deposit in the fullness of truth and i thought well what greater cause is there to give my life to than this but i mean i still had my fears and my reservations and all of that of course yeah but it wasn't long after that that i i found saint michael's abbey in orange and a little bit about the norbertine order now how did how did you research that particular religious order out do you does one go on Google and type in religious orders and you look for location, history. What What is it? That is exactly what I did. Because I, 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 growing up in Houston, there were no Norbertines. We don't right. have any abbeys there. And the only religious priests that I knew were Jesuits. And sure. They live more of a diocesan priestly life and not so much as a religious community. Sure. So I didn't even know what a religious order was when I started all of this. But I found... St. Michael's Abbey, and I thought, well, this is a heck of a coincidence or providence that I'm going to be in Orange County for my second cousin's wedding in a couple of weeks. That was right when I discovered that the so Abbey was So this was, was all planned. I mean, it was going to happen. You were going to a wedding. I was going to a wedding, yeah. and then I found that there that this monastery, and I'm like, well, what good is a monastery in California going to be? Like, there's no way this is going to be a good place. No <laughs> offense to all the California listeners, but yeah. I just didn't have much confidence in the orthodoxy of, of the place of California. Yeah. The left coast. The left <laughs> coast, that's right. But it turns out that we are about as orthodox and as true to the Catholic Church, and which is why we're growing. Like right now we have 40 men in formation, uh, 50 priests, so 90 men in our community. We just, we had, we had so many men entering our monastery, we just finished building our brand new monastery. It was a $150 million project which was the largest fundraising project in American Catholic Church history. And now we just moved in a year ago, and now we're already out of room again. Wow. So thanks be to God for that. Outstanding. Now, now, briefly, um, if I want to say the teachings, the traditions of the Norbertines, what, how is that different than your parish diocesan priest? Sure. So we live... So St. Norbert, our order was founded by St. Norbert 900 years ago, 901 years ago. Last year was the 900th anniversary. And it's pretty awesome that we just moved into our brand new monastery on the anniversary. anniversary. It was really, really something. And St. Norbert founded the order with the intention of reforming the clergy. Because he saw at that time, even though this was in the 1200s or the 1100s, there were real scandals going on in the clergy, and there was a lack of of holiness in the church. And so he began trying to reform the priesthood. But the way that he went about that was he realized the greatest obstacle to living a holy life is a lack of community. Mm -hmm. And I think anyone who has experience with a holy mentor or a friend or a parent or anyone, you notice how that that holiness, that that example is contagious. And as scripture says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And that's sort of the 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 guiding principle of why we live in community. 
because if we're going to be good holy priests, we need our brothers and we need accountability and we need structure and we need organization and all of the things that I am not personally inclined to do on my own. You're now getting. I'm now getting, yes. Yeah. So now for those listening today, you're saying, okay, yes, this is the Catholic channel on Sirius XM and we've got Giovanni Dodd at St. Michael's Abbey. And then you got Dr. Galati on the other end of the microphone, Your Health First, putting faith and health together for a better you. That is our core message here. Now, tell us about life at the Abbey, the discipline, and how possibly you could say an unintended consequence Mm -hmm. of this is your health has improved. And there is, let's just say... If we took a poll of the 90 uh, uh, individuals living there, they may not have the exact same story as yours, but it certainly is an environment Mm -hmm. that fosters good health, better health, and an awareness of health. So explain that part, and that really is the link of the religious discussion here, talking about Christ and the church and health and wellness. Sure. Well, for one, and you can ask anyone in my family or any of my friends, when they saw me for the first time uh, after even maybe six months uh-huh. of being in the Abbey, I had lost like 20 pounds and I was you know, exercising. And I mean, I've, I've, I'm in the best shape of my life right now right. than I've ever been in as, as a 28-year-old. And, and I played many sports in high school uh-huh. and everything, but I've never been in better shape. I've also never had more mental and emotional clarity and kind of peace and wellness than I have now, which I was not expecting to get from a monastery. Right. But really, I mean, monks, we've been doing this whole diet thing before it was a fad, before it was cool. We've been doing the the intermittent fasting thing and the the, the vegetables and like all of that great stuff. Eating off the land. Eating off the land, natural, you know, in exercising and, and harvesting the land. We've been doing this long before it was cool. And in fact, I, I kind of joke that we invented rehab and it's called Lent. You know, there you go. 40 days of, you know, just stepping back from the things that are getting in the way between you living your best possible life. We've been doing that for a long time. But what helps at least someone like me, because I'm not a morning person. And uh, so I have, you know, basically the worst job ever for that kind of temperament and personality. Yeah. Because our first prayers are at 5.45 in the morning, and we chant the Divine Office. That's the, the Liturgy of the Hours in Gregorian chant uh-huh. um, seven times a day in our church. Um, on the you know, At the minute, we are very punctual, yeah. and when we start, we start. And um, I, I am not inclined to do that on my own, but this kind of disciplined regiment has really been life-changing for me because— I've. You're, it's hard to gauge what your body's trying to tell you, or what your mind is trying to tell you, your soul is trying to tell you, when you have so many different variables going in, mm-hmm. and you don't know. Okay, well, what made me feel bad that day, or that day, or that day? If you're constantly doing something different, you know. So this 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 monastic order really allows you to hone in on the areas of your life that are not. Um, properly oriented. Well, you know, I I think that is such an enlightening statement 
from from my perspective of the health and wellness because when I speak with patients who are chronically ill mm-hmm. and for those listening today you may be battling diabetes or high blood pressure obesity kidney disease and when I ask them the most basic question of what did you have for breakfast or mm-hmm. maybe what did you have for dinner invariably the answer is oh dr galati i am so busy my life is so hectic i don't eat i skip breakfast i skip meals i catch whatever the heck i can grab on the run and really what they're saying is please help me i have no organization mm-hmm. to my life i have no synchrony to anything and here you are saying wait a second what has helped me is really being disciplined and and i at first i tried out of my my zeal to skip many meals during the day but what i realized and this is something great about our formators uh-huh. is they really engage the human formation part of us it's not just oh become you know go be holy it's right no because the soul is the animating principle of the body so we are inseparable from our soul we're composite soul and body and this is the beauty of our catholic tradition we don't separate these two things this is why you know god did not make a destructive thing everything that god made is good but we have to through temperance and and prudence we have to enjoy things in their proper measure at the proper time in the proper ways which takes there's trial and error to that but it's very important that we see that the body is not bad. The soul is not bad. These things are good, but they're united. That's what makes us who we are. And if we're not, if we're not uh, addressing the needs of one, then the other will suffer. Yes. So I'm, I'm really grateful for my formators who, like, for example, it's, it's in our rule. We follow the rule of St. Augustine, but we also have our own local customs. And it's in our seminarian rule of life that we get at least two hours of exercise every week. We, um, it's in the rule of St. Augustine, which goes back 1,700 years, mm-hmm. that we don't eat between meals, so we don't snack unless there's, he says, unless your health you know, demands yeah, it. Sure. So even there, he has that consideration of listen to, it, listen to your doctor and do as your health requires. And sometimes for one person, and that looks different for everyone, some people can't fast as well as other people. Right. Each body and each individual is entirely unique. But I, I would almost invoke the sort of the 70-30 rule, where 70% of the people can yes. be disciplined. Uh, and, and again, like you like said, people are on different medicines. They have different ailments. And, of course, you don't want to starve them out at the risk of collapsing in the middle of, of a activity. But 70-30, I would think the vast majority of people, when challenged with this uh, internal structure, this framework, really do well. Now, within, within the, you know, your mentors within the, the Abbey, those that are, that are teaching you, do they specifically address the idea that the rationale behind not eating or the rationale behind extra, rather than Hey, everybody, this is the rule. Thank you. See you tomorrow morning. Absolutely. Is it, is it a little bit more than that? They give oh, it's, you some it's a whole insight lot. into this. Yes, and that's what you really see is so much of this is trying to curb our our passions and our appetites right. and bring 
So Plato in, in the Phaedrus, he gives this beautiful metaphor. He's talking about the, the parts of the soul, or you have this warring faction within you. You have the higher passions and the lower passions. You have your intellect, and then you have your irascible appetites. So your desire for reproduction, your desire for food, your desire for, for pleasure, those sorts of things. And Plato in the Phaedrus gives this beautiful metaphor of a man riding a chariot, and he's, he's on a horse, but it's the horse of the lower passions. Mm-hmm. And the lower passions are out of control. But he describes the way in which the, the jockey reins back the horse and pulls on the bridle mm-hmm. so forcefully that it even forces the, that the horse begins to bleed in the mouth. But it's by that that the horse is tamed. And he, his feet, all four feet, are back on, on the ground. And he begins to listen to the jockey. There's a similar thing that happens... You know, we have various faculties in our soul. Mm-hmm. We have the irascible appetites. We have our, our, our intellect, our will. And reason is our governing principle. But our desire for food, our desire for reproduction, each since the fall of Adam, each of our lower faculties seeks its own good and its own good alone. So it's the job of our reason to try and rein in the other parts, the lower parts of our soul, so that they will work together. Because the thing is, we're always, we always choose a good. That's the thing. Even if we sin, we choose what is a perceived good. Mm-hmm. You know, we never do something, it's like the piece of cake that I don't need right now, but, you know, we always see in that moment there's a good there, which is true. That it's The cake is good. Yes, you know? without a doubt. Without a doubt, the cake is good. But... When we, su- when we surrender that to our reason, it brings our entire human nature into proper order, and it allows us to enjoy things correctly and in the way that will actually lead to the most full life that we can live. So this is the Christian message. It's the one that is wholly integrated, body and soul working together it's, we have these warring parts within us. Mm. We have the, the, the old man, the old Adam, the old Eve within us, and they put up a fight. And that's the thing about you know living a healthy lifestyle spiritually and physically. You have to fight. Well, I think if you don't fight in, in the proverbial sense, the and, and you don't want to say good versus bad, but sort of the bad habits will take you over mm-hmm. and you end up eating too much, drinking too much, smoking, not exercising, doing things that just aren't going to be supportive to good health. So what, what and, I would and, ask... And, and on that, Dr. Joe, sure. something that, that Aristotle talks about in his ethics, he talks about how... Um, how so the, a habit is a quality in the soul. Mm-hmm. And a quality in the soul is something that can be strengthened... And it can be formed and it can be developed, but it's also something that can be weakened. So, but that's really important that the battle for, let's say, over the flesh to, to eat well or to resist temptations to lust, those sorts of things, which are all connected, by the Uh way, um, all of that, when it's, when it is, when it is reined back and countered and resisted in the proper ways, 
you become stronger each time you resist the piece of cake that you don't want or that you don't need. Each time you resist the lustful temptation, you become stronger and you develop like a muscle. You're developing a habit that, that is actually going to remain there in a stable way. You're, you're developing a natural virtue there. Yeah, and, and I totally agree. And I think so many people believe that there are these habits that cannot be overcome. And they just throw their arms up and, and they say, look, this is the way I am. I'm never going to change. And I'm going to, uh, from my perspective, you look at it from a religious mm-hmm. uh, uh, life for those, that I am just submitting to a life of chronic disease. You may be dealing with somebody, and and at the extreme, a life of sin, in, in and, a sense. And it, it's interesting, too, that Aristotle and St. Thomas, when they're usually making spiritual points, they'll usually begin with an analogy to physical health, which is which is really fascinating, in part because Aristotle's father was a doctor, and so he learned you know, so many things in medicine, which he applied to the spiritual life, because there's a principle in philosophy that the highest of a lower order touches on the lowest of a higher order, which is basically just a fancy way of saying the best in one league is the closest to the worst in the better league, right. that kind of thing. And so because the soul and the spirit is, is more powerful and stronger than the body, we can learn a lot about the spiritual life even from the body. And one example of that is St. Paul says he talks about needing spiritual milk. Uh-huh. So when we're learning to pray, he talks about beginning like an infant with spiritual milk. The reason why I bring this up of your, your point of that some people might look at their failings or their difficulties and say, it's not possible for me to, to improve or to get right. better. I'm, but, I'm as good as it gets. Right. And the, the reality is, no, we can always improve, but we have to be reasonable in our expectation of ourselves. We are weak, especially when you're beginning something new and it's difficult. We have to take baby steps. It's We can't cut it all out. We can't fix ourselves overnight. These things take time, and they take patience, and you got to suffer through some of these things. So in a, in a physical sense, we have to take the spiritual milk, start with baby steps, and grow stronger and stronger and stronger. And before long, you'll realize that you are, you know, you don't give up on the gym because you went and you tried to lift, you know, the 100-pound dumbbell, right. and you couldn't on the first day. It's the yeah. same thing with the spiritual life, but also with the physical health. Absolutely. Now, to get to you before we start addressing the bigger at-large picture of health and wellness and chronic disease. So for you personally, and again, if you're just tuning in, I this is such a great honor to be with Frada Giovanni Dodd, a seminarian at the St. Michael's Abbey in beautiful Orange County, California. It is beautiful. That is that is in itself a blessing. Uh, so for you personally, let's get down to some details. Vegetables, fruits, that is always what we are going to uh, profess to our patients. What has changed with you? Are you eating mm-hmm. more asparagus? Are you eating more tomatoes? Have you learned some new exotic vegetable that you thought in your mind was disgusting, but now you are a big fan of it. Well, yes to, to all of the above. Now, I should, as as a disclaimer, your mom mm-hmm. is an outstanding cook. Yes, so Unfor- unfortunately think, so. Yes, and you, you grew up around homemade, wholesome 
meals. Yes. So you're you've got true. one leg up. But did did your experience in the Abbey change your taste buds in any way? Uh, I think what it changed. Well, first I'll say we have uh, about nine or ten nuns from the Philippines. Oh wow! Dominican nuns from the Philippines who who run our kitchen, and they are fantastic cooks, and they are excellent at. We always eat very balanced meals. Mm-hmm. They always have a wide array of everything is always balanced. And I think that's an important message of the even the religious and the spiritual life. There's balance. We are always, we're not seeking, virtue is in the mean, as Aristotle also says. Right. In this, you know, of course, in health, that's true too. Yeah. The virtue is often in the mean where there's the proper balance. But I think where my appetite, so to speak, has changed the most is going back to this point about discipline, that I've seen the greatest impact and benefit for my health just by eating at regular intervals, at regular times, similar amounts, you know, no matter what the day is. And that has really allowed my body to stabilize in in so many ways. So and sometimes that means eating something that you don't want to eat or you know, eating more than you want to eat or right. less than you want to eat, you know, but seeing how I think kind of, you know, giving up that, the desire of what I want to do mm-hmm. for what is, what is right for me. But it's been that, I think that discipline part that has really, really helped me the most. Yeah. I, I, I think that is probably the most powerful um, concept really that, that you're bringing to the, to the program today. Now, for everybody listening today, and those that will hear it on replay, and you know these these programs take on a life of their own on online. So many people are suffering with obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, kidney disease, liver disease that I see, and fatty liver cirrhosis. It is a bad state of affairs out there, mm-hmm. and it's it's sad to say that so many people have lost the ability for this control mm-hmm. that you're saying. So in no particular order, what advice, what guidance mm. will you start to share with our listeners, those that are listening today, as far as getting that control, that mm. synchronization of their body, their mind, their soul back on order? Because it's not impossible as as you've said mm-hmm. it's not impossible so go at it what would you say well this might be an odd this might seem like an odd answer but i think that it's really powerful when we realize that in this life in this valley of tears we will have to suffer and suffering is a part of human life and so much of modern medicine or pop culture is just about alleviating temporal physical suffering or emotional suffering okay and not about addressing some of the underlying issues the beauty of our christian life and our christian vocation is that suffering has meaning and it has value and so if you're beginning or you want to embark on a, a healthier lifestyle i would encourage you that that can be a prayer that each sacrifice that you make is not just giving up the piece of cake. That's that is that can be offered to our Lord mm-hmm. as a prayer. And so God wants he's calling us to perfection, but he's not calling us to be perfect today. He's calling us 
to do what we can and to just keep moving forward. And if we move backwards, to get back up the next day. So I think just accepting the fact that exercise is hard. At least I run just about every single day. Mm-hmm. I hate running. <laughs> and I thought after a couple of years, I would actually come around. Still hate it. Still can't stand it. I mean, I can go longer distances now. Right. But uh, and I, am always, I have never, not once in two years, have I looked forward to running. And yet I'm always glad at the end. Sure. So that's that's kind of a I, I think that's an important message for us to remember that you know disciplining our bodies, disciplining our minds and our hearts is painful at times, and knowing that beforehand I think is helpful because we live in a culture that tells us to avoid everything painful. The opposite of that is strive for the quick feel good right. moment. Right. And so the way I look at it, if everything is peaches and cream, everything is happy, there is no sadness, there is no suffering in the world, uh, I'm gonna, going to turn a blind yeah, eye it, to that. And, and it's, that's not reality. It's not Christianity. And that's the, like that everything is always going to be good. We live in a, in a broken world where there is, but the beauty of it is that when God became man, when Jesus Christ came into this, took our lowly nature— he gave suffering value. He touched suffering with his own divine and human natures, united in himself, and he has given value to these things so that we would never have to endure any kind of pain or hardship alone. And that is true of a diet. That is true of a monk in a monastery. That is true of a mother of five, a father of one. It's true of every vocation, wherever you are. When, when you hear the term tough love, how do you transition that from, uh, from you, the seminarian in a religious order, to John Q. Public that has to get through life and the challenges? And in particular, we're talking about their own health and wellness here. To summarize it another way, you're saying there to get to the other side of mm-hmm. wellness. So almost I look at it that, like it or not, people are neglecting themselves, just mm-hmm. like they're ne- neglecting their 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 spiritual, religious, their yeah. spiritual needs. You know, they could care less what's going on, but they are neglecting their health and wellness. And I hate to tell you, it's very evident. We see it. It's mm-hmm. not hard to see how bad people are. But that suffering, in a sense, is what we need to go through. Now, suffering does not mean cutting your arm off, but suffering may mean that you're not going to get your way every time. You're not going to be able to eat whatever you want at any time of the day. You have Mm -hmm. to throttle back some. So there, I feel, and, and, and again, that's why I enjoy doing this program on the Catholic Channel and having someone as, as marvelous as you on, to make that bridge that mm-hmm. there this there is more to this health and wellness and um, religious discussion than really meets the eye. Abs- again, we are composite creatures. We have a body and a soul. And if we neglect one, we are neglecting the other because they work in harmony. And if there is discordance, there can't be harmony. And that's the, the analogy of an army. We've got an right. army of, of parts within us. 
and we have to, to bring all of these members together to fight for the same common good. And I think that's why it's so important to remember that, as St. Paul says, he talks about as he was beginning a life of penance, even physical penance, he talks about how he says, I have crucified the flesh and brought it into submission. It's like there you, and he's not talking about a literal physical crucifixion there. He's talking about he is, he is being prudent and temperate and he's resisting his passions and he's, he's really living in a way that is wholesome and that is, that is what brings you fully alive. St. Irenaeus said, just real quick, he said, the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. And that has a spiritual and a physical consequence. Absolutely. And, and I think one, one quote that you uh, mentioned before the show was from St. Thomas Aquinas. That's right. Which, which I think really, really is the crux of what we are trying to transmit on the radio here today. Go at it. This is a very unintuitive thing that, that St. Thomas Aquinas said. We know the great commandment, love the Lord thy God, right? And Jesus gives us the new commandment, sure. love one another as I have loved you. St. Thomas clarifies, he says, this is the proper order of love. He says, we love God first, we love ourselves second, sure, and then we love our neighbor third. It seems like, well, was that a typo? Shouldn't he have said yeah. you love God and then your neighbor and then yourself? Right, putting yourself at the bottom. For example, there are those bracelets that say, I am second, talking about, or I am third, or whatever, kind of misunderstanding this order that St. Thomas is talking about, because there's a causal relationship between each of these of these degrees of love. Because we love God, we're able to love ourselves. Because we love ourselves, we're able to love others. If we're not taking care of our, of our own self, spiritually, there's a, there's a, there's a traditional um, phrase uh, maxim in the church, nemo dat quod non habit, which means you cannot give what you do not have. If we don't have a certain uh, spiritual or even physical health, we're not going to be able to transmit that sure. to others. Absolutely. And if we're not if we're not handling the needs of our body and our soul, we're not going to be able to love our neighbor in the way that God is calling us to. Yeah. Now, in the last minute, Giovanni, you are in that twenty-five to thirty-year-old category. And there are a lot of people listening that have grandchildren or children in that 25 to 30-year-old time frame, maybe a little younger, a little older. What message do you have to this group, your peers, basically, on making sure they pay attention to their health and their wellness? Because the dividend mm-hmm. that they will reap in the rest of their life is absolutely important it is and i think in in a minute so this is this is where we got to go okay yeah. well i'll i'll tie it in very quickly to two important points and that's that our my generation is probably the most deprived generation morally because of the kind of lustful clo- culture that we've been grown up with and there was no idea of of internet restrictions or things like that sure. and what many people don't realize is by by tempering our physical desires like even with food mm-hmm. you are you are helping your body to resist other types of physical temptations mm-hmm. like lust and so just by pulling back on certain gluttonous behaviors of maybe drinking during the week or you know those extra bags of chips or the th- like whatever you'll notice in that res- small act of resistance 
you you will be able and you'll find a new and added strength in resisting lustful temptations, which you don't have to go looking for nowadays. Mm-hmm. They come right, right to there. you. So I, that's just a very quick message to my to my fellow millennials, as, as we're called. Yeah. All right. Well, Giovanni, this this has been outstanding. Thank you. I believe and I know for sure you have helped me understand things better and our audience at large. Well, well, with a little bit of luck and prayer, we are going to get you back on as soon as I can. Thank you, Dr. Joe, and God bless you all.